lucid dream is a dream during which the dreamer is aware of dreaming. During lucid dreaming, the dreamer may be able to exert some degree of control over the dream character's narrative and environment. The term lucid dream was coined by Dutch author and psychiatrist Frederick Van Eden in his 1913 article, A Study of Dreams. Though descriptions of dreamers being aware that they are dreaming predates the term Alright, here are some more definitions and conditions for the definition of a lucid dream. Paul Tholey, a German neurologist and gestalt theorist, laid the epistemological basis for the research of lucid dreams, proposing seven different conditions of clarity that a dream must fulfill in order to be defined as a lucid dream. Number one, awareness of the dream state. Number two, awareness of the capacity to make decisions. Number three, Awareness of memory functions. Number four. Awareness of self. Number five. Awareness of the dream. Environment. Number six, awareness of the meaning of the dream. And number seven, awareness of concentration and focus. Later, in 1992, 
A Study by Deidre Barrett examined whether lucid dreams contained four corollaries of lucidity. Number one, the dreamer is aware that they are dreaming. Number two, objects disappear after waking. Number three, physical laws need not apply in the dream. And number four, the dreamer has a clear memory of the waking world. Barrett found less than a quarter of lucidity accounts exhibited all four. Subsequently, Stephen LaBerge, a psychophysiologist of Stanford University, studied the prevalence of being able to control the dream scenario among lucid dreams. He found that while dream control and dream awareness are correlated, neither requires the other. LaBerge found dreams that exhibit one clearly without the capacity for the other. Also, in some dreams where the dreamer is lucid and aware they could exercise control, they choose simply to observe. Next section is about scientific research done on lucid dreaming. In nineteen sixty eight, Celia Green analyzed the main characteristics of such dreams, reviewing previously published literature on the subject and incorporating new data from participants of her own. She concluded that lucid dreams were a category of experience quite distinct from ordinary dreams and predicted that they would turn out to be associated with rapid eye movement sleep. 
was also the first to link lucid dreams to the phenomenon of false awakenings. Lucid dreaming was subsequently researched by asking dreamers to perform predetermined physical responses while experiencing a dream, including eye movement signals. The first experiment of this type was conducted in the late 1970s by British parapsychologist Keith Hearn. A volunteer named Alan Worsley used eye movements to signal the onset of lucidity, which were recorded by a polysomnograph machine. first peer-reviewed article on the subject was published by Stephen LaBerge at Stanford University, who developed such techniques as part of his doctoral dissertation. In 1985, LaBerge a pilot study that showed that time perception while counting during a lucid dream is about the same as during waking life. Lucid dreamers counted out 10 seconds while dreaming, signaling the start in the end of the count with a prearranged eye signal measured with electrooculogram recording. LaBerge's results were confirmed by German researchers D. Erlacher and M. Schrettel in 2004. In a further study by Stephen LaBerge, four subjects were compared, either singing while dreaming or counting while dreaming. LaBerge found that the right hemisphere was more active during singing and the left hemisphere was more active during counting. Neuroscientist J. 
J. Allen Hobson has hypothesized what might be occurring in the brain while lucid. The first step to lucid dreaming is recognizing one is dreaming. This recognition might occur in the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. This area is one of the few areas deactivated during REM sleep and where working memory occurs. Once this area is activated and the recognition of dreaming occurs, the dreamer must be cautious to let the dream continue, but be conscious enough to remember that it is a dream. While maintaining this balance, the amygdala and parahippocampal cortex might be less intensely activated. To continue the intensity of the dream hallucinations, it is expected the pons and the parieto-occipital junction stay active. Using electroencephalography and other polysomnographical measurements, Laberge and others have shown that lucid dreams begin in the rapid eye movement stage of sleep. Laberge also proposes that there are higher amounts of beta-1 frequency band brain wave activity experienced by lucid dreamers. Hence, there is an increased amount of activity in the parietal lobes, making lucid dreaming a conscious process. Some skeptics of lucid dreaming suggest that it is not a state of sleep, but of brief wakefulness or micro-awakening. Experiments by Stephen LaBerge used perception of the outside world as a criterion for wakefulness while studying lucid dreamers, and their sleep state was corroborated with physiological measurements. 
philosopher Norman Malcolm has argued against the possibility of checking the accuracy of dream reports, pointing out that the only criterion of the truth of a statement that someone has had a certain dream is, essentially, his saying so. next section is about clinical and creative applications of lucid dreaming. It has been suggested that sufferers of nightmares benefit from the ability to be aware they are indeed dreaming. A pilot study was performed in 2006 that showed that lucid dreaming therapy treatment was successful in reducing nightmare frequency. This treatment consisted of exposure to the idea, mastery of the technique, and lucidity exercises. It was not clear what aspects of the treatment were responsible for the success of overcoming nightmares, though the treatment as a whole was said successful. Australian psychologist Milan Kolik has explored the application of principles from narrative therapy to clients' lucid dreams. He did this to reduce the impact not only of nightmares during sleep, but also depression, self-mutilation, and other problems in waking life. Pollock found that therapeutic conversations could reduce the distressing content of dreams while understandings about life and even characters from lucid dreams could be applied to their lives with marked therapeutic benefits. Psychotherapists have applied lucid dreaming as an application for therapy. Studies have shown 
that by inducing a lucid dream, the current nightmares can be alleviated. It is unclear whether this alleviation is due to lucidity or the ability to alter the dream itself. A study performed by Victor Spormaker and Vandenbout evaluated the validity of lucid dreaming treatment in chronic nightmare sufferers. Lucid dreaming treatment is composed of exposure, mastery, and lucidity exercises. Results of lucid dreaming treatment reveal that the nightmare frequency of the treatment groups had decreased. Another study, Spormaker, Vandenbout, and Meyer investigated lucid dreaming treatment for nightmares by testing eight subjects who received a one-hour individual session, which consisted of lucid dreaming exercises. Results of the study revealed that the nightmare frequency had decreased and the sleep quality had slightly increased. Holsinger, Klosch, and Salatu managed a psychotherapy study under the working name of Cognition During Dreaming, a therapeutic intervention in nightmares. The study included 40 subjects, men and women, 18 to 50 years old, whose life quality was significantly altered by nightmares. The test subjects were administered Gestalt group therapy, and 24 of them were also taught to enter the state of lucid dreaming by Holsinger. This was purposely taught in order to change the course of their nightmares. The subjects then reported the diminishment of their nightmare prevalence from two to three times a week to two to three times per month. In a 
their book, The Committee of Sleep. Deidre Barrett describes how some experienced lucid dreamers have learned to remember specific practical goals, such as artists looking for inspiration, seeking a show of their own work. Once they become lucid, or computer programmers looking for a screen with their desired code. However, most of these dreamers had many experiences of failing to recall waking objectives before gaining this level of control. The next section is about the history of lucid dreaming, and it goes back to around 2,000 years ago. Early references to the phenomenon are found in ancient Greek writings. For example, the philosopher Aristotle wrote, Often, when one is asleep, there is something in consciousness which declares that what then presents itself is but a dream. Meanwhile, the physician Galen of Bergamon used lucid dreams as a form of therapy. In addition, a letter written by St. Augustine of Hippo in 415 AD tells the story of a dreamer. Dr. Genadius and refers to lucid dreaming. In Eastern thought, cultivating the dreamer's ability to be aware that he or she is dreaming is central to both the Tibetan Buddhist practice of dream yoga and the ancient Indian Hindu practice of Yoga Nidra. The cultivation of such awareness was common practice among early Buddhists. Philosopher and physician Sir Thomas Brown, born in 1605, was fascinated by dreams and described his own ability to lucid dream in his Religio Medici, stating, Yet in one dream I can compose a whole comedy 
behold the action, apprehend the jests, and laugh myself awake at the conceits thereof. Also, Samuel Pepys, in his diary entry for August 15, 1665, records a dream, stating, I had my lady Castlemaine in my arms, and was admitted to use all the dalliance I desired with her, and then dreamt that this could not be awake, but that it was only a dream. In 1867, the French sinologist Marie-Jean Leon, Marquis de Hervey de Saint-Denis, anonymously published Les Reeves et les Moyens de les Derechères, Observations Pratiques, which translates into dreams, and the way to direct them, practical observations. In this publication, he describes his own experiences of lucid dreaming, and proposes that it is possible for anyone to learn to dream consciously. In 1913, Dutch psychiatrist and writer Frederick Willem Van Eden coined the term lucid dream in an article entitled A Study of Dreams. Some have suggested the term is a misnomer because Van Eaton was referring to a phenomenon more specific than a vivid or lucid dream. Van Eaton intended the term lucid to denote having insight as in the phrase, a lucid interval, applied to someone in a temporary remission from a psychosis, rather than as a reference to the perceptual quality of the experience, which may or may not be clear and vivid. was a statement in the article about lucid dreams being linked to the phenomenon of false awakenings. And I'm not sure what false awakenings are, so I'm going to go to that Wikipedia article to read a little more about 
false awakenings. A false awakening is a vivid and convincing dream about awakening from sleep, while the dreamer in reality continues to sleep. After a false awakening, subjects often dream they are performing daily morning rituals, such as cooking, cleaning, and eating. False awakenings, namely those in which one dreams that one has awoken from sleep that feature dreams, take on aspects of a double dream or a dream within a dream. classic example is the double false awakening of the protagonist in Kroll's portrait. A false awakening may occur following a dream or following a lucid dream. Particularly, if the false awakening follows a lucid dream, the false awakening may turn into a pre-lucid dream, that is, one in which the dreamer may start to wonder if they are really awake and may or may not come to the correct conclusion. In a study by Harvard psychologist Deidre Barrett, 2,000 dreams from 200 subjects were examined, and it was found that false awakenings and lucidity were significantly more likely to occur within the same dream or within different dreams of the same night. false awakenings often preceded lucidity as a cue, but they could also follow the realization of lucidity, often losing it in the process. Another type of false awakening is a continuum. In a continuum, the subject falls asleep in real life, but in the dream following, the brain simulates the subject as though they were still awake. In other words, the subject thinks he or she is still awake, but in reality is asleep. At times, individual can perform actions unknowingly. 
Street popularized this phenomenon. This phenomenon can be related to that of sleepwalking or carrying out actions in a state of unconsciousness. Certain aspects of life may be dramatized or out of place in false awakenings. Things may seem wrong. Details, like the painting on a wall, not being able to talk, or difficulty reading, purportedly reading in lucid dreams is often difficult or impossible, or oddly, normal types of foods gone missing. In some experiences, the subject's senses are heightened or changed. Because the mind still dreams after a false awakening, there may be more than one false awakening in a single dream. Subjects may dream they wake up, eat breakfast, brush their teeth, and so on, suddenly awake again in bed, still in a dream, begin morning rituals again, awaken again, and so forth. The philosopher Bertrand Russell claimed to have experienced about a hundred false awakenings in succession, all coming around from a general anesthetic. Select sections from the Wikipedia article Sleep. First section I'll read is about the importance of sleep for children. By the time infants reach the age of two, their brain size has reached 90% of an adult sized brain. A majority of this brain growth has occurred during the period of life with the highest rate of sleep. The hours that children spend asleep influence their ability to perform on cognitive tasks. Children who sleep through the night and have few night-waking episodes have higher cognitive attainments and easier temperaments than other children. Sleep also influences language development. To test this, researchers taught infants 
a fake language, and then observe their recollection of the rules for that language. Infants who slept within four hours of learning the language could remember the language rules better, while infants who stayed awake longer did not recall those rules as well. There is also a relationship between infants' vocabulary and sleeping. Infants who sleep longer at night at 12 months have better vocabularies at 26 months. The next section is about the importance of sleep for everyone. The optimal amount of sleep is not a meaningful concept unless the timing of that sleep is seen in relation to an individual's circadian rhythms. A person's major sleep episode is relatively inefficient and inadequate when it occurs at the wrong time of day. One should be asleep at least six hours before the lowest body temperature. The timing is correct when the following two circadian markers occur after the middle of the sleep episode and before awakening. Maximum concentration of the hormone melatonin and minimum core body temperature. Human sleep needs vary by age and amongst individuals, and sleep is considered to be adequate when there is no daytime sleepiness or dysfunction. Moreover, self-reported sleep duration is only moderately correlated with actual sleep time as measured by actigraphy, and those affected with the sleep state misperception may typically report having slept only four hours despite having slept a full eight hours. A University of California, San Diego psychiatry study of more than one million adults found that people who live the longest self-report sleeping for six to seven hours each night. Another study of sleep duration and mortality risk in women showed similar results. Other studies show that sleeping more than seven to eight hours per day 
has been consistently associated with increased mortality, though this study suggests the cause is probably other factors, such as depression and socioeconomic status, which would correlate statistically. Researchers at the University of Warwick and University College London have found that lack of sleep can more than double the risk of death from cardiovascular disease, but that too much sleep can also be associated with a doubling of the risk of death though not primarily from cardiovascular disease. Professor Francesco Capuccio said, Short sleep has been shown to be a risk factor for weight gain, hypertension, and type 2 diabetes sometimes leading to mortality. But in contrast to the short sleep mortality association, it appears that no potential mechanisms by which long sleep could be associated with increased mortality have yet to be investigated. Some candidate causes for this include depression, low socioeconomic status, and cancer-related fatigue. In terms of prevention, our findings indicate that consistently sleeping around seven hours per night is optimal for health, and a sustained reduction may predispose to ill health. Nevertheless, some new studies have identified links between too little or too much sleep with metabolic disorders such as obesity and type 2 diabetes. There was a strong genetic correlation between undersleeping and body mass index, but not type 2 diabetes. There was also a genetic correlation between oversleeping and both body mass index and type 2 diabetes. However, cause and effect is not easily determined because of multiple confounding factors affecting sleep patterns and disease risk. Furthermore, sleep difficulties are closely associated with psychiatric disorders such as depression 
alcoholism and bipolar disorder. Up to 90% of adults with depression are found to have sleep difficulties, dysregulation found on EEG includes disturbances in sleep continuity, decreased delta sleep, and altered REM patterns with regard to latency, distribution across the night, and density of eye movements. The next section is about sleep recommendations for each age group. Children need many hours of sleep per day in order to develop and function properly. Up to 18 hours for newborn babies with a declining rate as a child ages. Early in 2015, after a two-year study, the National Sleep Foundation in the United States announced the following newly revised recommendations. Newborns aged zero to three months should get 14 to 17 hours of sleep. Infants ages 4 to 11 months should get 12 to 15 hours of sleep. Toddlers ages 1 to 2 years should get 11 to 14 hours of sleep. Preschoolers ages 3 to 4 years should get 10 to 13 hours of sleep. School-aged children ages 5 to 12 years should get 9 to 11 hours of sleep. Teenagers ages 13 to 17 years should get 8 to 10 hours of sleep. Adults ages 18 to 64 years should get 7 to 9 hours of sleep and older adults, ages 65 years and over, should get seven to eight hours of sleep. The next section is about the functions of sleep. The multiple hypotheses proposed explain the function of sleep reflect the incomplete understanding of the subject. When asked 
after 50 years of research, what he knew about the reason people sleep. William C. DeMent, founder of Stanford University's Sleep Research Center, answered, As far as I know, the only reason we need to sleep that is really, really solid is because we get sleepy. It is likely that sleep evolved to fulfill some primeval function and took on multiple functions over time. This may be analogous to the larynx, which controls the passage of food and air, but descended over time to develop speech capabilities. Sleep is sometimes thought to help conserve energy, though this theory is not fully adequate as it only decreases metabolism by about 5 to 10 percent. Some of the many proposed functions of sleep are as follows. Increased waste clearance of the brain is one of them. A publication by L.C. and colleagues in 2013 explored the efficiency of the glymphatic system during sleep and provided the first direct evidence that the clearance of interstitial waste products increases during the resting state. Using a combination of diffusion ionophoresis techniques pioneered by Nicholson and colleagues in vivo two-photon imaging and electroencephalography to confirm the wake and sleep states. Zia and Nettergaard demonstrated that the changes in efficiency of CSF and ISF exchange between the awake and sleeping brain were caused by expansion and contraction of the extracircular space, which increased by about 60% in the sleeping brain to promote clearance of interstitial wastes such as amyloid beta. On the basis of these findings, they hypothesized that the restorative properties of sleep may be linked to increased lymphatic clearance of metabolic waste products produced by neural activity in the awake brain. healing has been shown to be affected by sleep. It has also been shown that sleep deprivation affects the immune system, 
it is now possible to state that sleep loss impairs immune function and immune challenge alters sleep. And it has been suggested that sleep increases white blood cell counts. A 2014 study found that depriving mice of sleep increased cancer growth and dampened the immune system's ability to control cancers. Sleep has also been theorized to effectively combat the accumulation of free radicals in the brain by increasing the efficiency of endogenous antioxidant mechanisms. The effect of sleep duration on somatic growth is not completely known. One study recorded growth, height, and weight as correlated to parent-reported time in bed in 305 children over a period of 9 years, ages 1 to 10. It was found that the variation in sleep duration among children does not seem to have an effect on growth. It is well established that slow-wave sleep affects growth hormone levels in adult men. During eight hours sleep, Van Cotter, Labrault, and Platt found that the men with a high percentage of SWS, average of 24%, also had high growth hormone secretion while subjects with a low percentage of SWS average 9% had low growth hormone secretion. There is some supporting evidence of the restorative function of sleep. The sleeping brain has been shown to remove metabolic waste products at a faster rate than during an awake state. While awake, metabolism generates reactive oxygen species, which are damaging to cells. In sleep, metabolic rates decrease, and reactive oxygen species generation is reduced allowing restorative processes to take over. It is theorized that sleep helps facilitate the synthesis of molecules that help repair and protect the brain from these harmful elements generated during waking. The metabolic phase during sleep is anabolic Anabolic hormones, such as growth hormones, 
Salamat and Brown in 2007. Working memory was shown to be affected by sleep deprivation. Working memory is important because it keeps information active for further processing and supports higher level cognitive functions such as decision-making, reasoning, and episodic memory. This study allowed 18 women and 22 men to sleep only 26 minutes per night over a four-day period. Subjects were given initial cognitive tests while well-rested, and then tested again twice a day during the four days of sleep deprivation. On the final test, the average working memory span of the sleep-deprived group had dropped by 38% in comparison to the control group. The relation between working memory and sleep can also be explored by testing how working memory works during sleep. Deltrazo, Claude, Tillman, Bastucci, and Perrin using event-related potentials to the perception of sentences during sleep showed that working memory for linguistic information is partially preserved during sleep with a smaller capacity compared to wake. Memory seems to be affected differently by certain stages of sleep, such as REM and slow-wave sleep, SWS. In one study, Multiple groups of human subjects were used, wake control groups, and sleep test groups. Sleep and wake groups were taught a task and were then tested on it, both on early and late nights, with the order of nights balanced across participants. When the subject's brains were scanned during sleep, hypnograms revealed that SWS was the dominant sleep stage during the early night, representing around 23% on average for sleep stage activity. The early night test group performed 16% better on the declarative memory test than the control group. During late night sleep, which entails more time spent in REM, the test group performed 25% better on the procedural memory test than the control group. This suggests that procedural memory 
benefits from late, REM-rich sleep, whereas declarative memory benefits from early, slow-wave-rich sleep. A study has also been done involving direct current stimulation to the prefrontal cortex to increase the amount of slow oscillations during SWS. The direct current stimulation greatly enhanced word pair retention the following day, giving evidence that SWS plays a large role in the consolidation of episodic memories. The different studies suggest that there is a correlation between sleep and the complex functions of memory. Harvard sleep researchers Saper and Stickgold point out that an essential part of memory and learning consists of nerve cell dendrites sending out information to the cell body to be organized into new neuronal connections. This process demands that no external information is presented to these dendrites, and it is suggested that this may be why it is during sleep that memories and knowledge are solidified and organized. Recent studies examining gene expression and evolutionary increases in brain size offer complementary support for the role of sleep in the mammalian memory consolidation theory. Evolutionary advances in the size of the mammalian amygdala, a brain structure active during sleep and involved in memory processing, are also associated with increases in NREM sleep durations. Likewise, nighttime gene expression differs from daytime expression and specifically targets genes thought to be involved in memory consolidation and brain plasticity. The preservation and protection theory holds that sleep serves an adaptive function. It protects the animal during that portion of the 24-hour day in which being awake and hence roaming around would place the individual at greatest risk. Organisms do not require 24 hours to feed themselves and meet other necessities. From this perspective of adaptation, organisms are safer by staying out of harm's way, where potentially they could be prey to other 
stronger organisms. They sleep at times that maximize their safety given their physical capacities and their habitats. This theory fails to explain why the brain disengages from the external environment during normal sleep. However, the brain consumes a large portion of the body's energy at any one time, and preservation of energy could only occur by limiting its sensory inputs. Another argument against the theory is that sleep is not simply a passive consequence of removing the animal from the environment, but it is a drive. Animals alter their behaviors in order to obtain sleep. Therefore, circadian regulation is more than sufficient to explain periods of activity and quiescence that are adaptive to an organism. But the more peculiar specializations of sleep probably serve different and unknown functions. Moreover, the preservation theory needs to explain why carnivores, like lions, which are on top of the food chain and thus have little to fear, sleep the most. It has been suggested that they need to minimize energy expenditure when not hunting. The following are select sections from the Wikipedia article titled Melatonin. The first section is going to be an overview and some of the history of melatonin. Melatonin, also known as N-acetyl-5-methoxytryptamine, is a hormone that is produced by the pineal gland in animals and regulates sleep and wakefulness. Melatonin is also produced in plants, where it functions as a first line of defense against oxidative stress. In animals, melatonin is involved in the synchronization of the circadian rhythms, including sleep-wake timing, blood pressure regulation, seasonal reproduction, and many others. Many of its biological effects in animals are produced through activation of melatonin receptors, while others are due to its role as an antioxidant with a particular role in the protection of nuclear and mitochondrial DNA. As a medicine, it is used for the treatment of insomnia, 
However, scientific evidence is insufficient to demonstrate a benefit in this area. Melatonin is sold over-the-counter in the United States, Canada, and some European countries. In other countries, it may require a prescription or it may be unavailable. Melatonin was first discovered in connection to the mechanism by which some amphibians and reptiles change the color of their skin. As early as 1917, Gary Pratt and Floyd P. Allen discovered that feeding extract of the pineal glands of cows lightened tadpole skin by contracting the dark epidermal melanophores. In 1958, dermatology professor Aaron B. Lerner and colleagues at Yale University in the hope that a substance from the pineal gland might be useful in treating skin diseases, isolated the hormone from bovine pineal gland extracts and named it melatonin. In the mid-1970s, Lynch et al., demonstrated that the production of melatonin exhibits a circadian rhythm in human pineal glands. The discovery that melatonin is an antioxidant was made in 1993. The first patent for its use as a low-dose sleep aid was granted to Richard Wortman at MIT in 1995. Around the same time, the hormone got a lot of press as a possible treatment for many illnesses. The next sections are about the medical uses of melatonin and possible side effects. Melatonin has been studied for insomnia in the elderly. Short-term treatment, up to three months of prolonged release melatonin, was found to be effective and safe in improving sleep latency, sleep quality, and daytime alertness. A 2016 review found no evidence that melatonin helped sleep problems in people with moderate to severe dementia due to Alzheimer's disease. Evidence for use of melatonin as a treatment for insomnia is, as of 2015, insufficient. Low-quality evidence indicates it may speed the onset of sleep by six minutes. A 2014 review found minimal evidence 
efficacy in shift work. A 2015 review of studies of melatonin for tinnitus found the quality of evidence low, but not entirely without promise. Melatonin is known to aid in reducing the effects of jet lag, especially in eastward travel, by promoting the necessary reset of the body's sleep-wake phase. If the timing is not correct, however, it can instead delay adaptation. Melatonin appears to have limited use against the sleep problems of people who work rotating or night shifts. Tentative evidence shows melatonin may help reduce some types of headaches, including cluster headaches. A 2013 review by the National Cancer Institutes found evidence for use for cancer to be inconclusive. A 2005 review of unblinded clinical trials found a reduced rate of death, but that blinded and independently conducted randomized control trials are still needed. Both animal and human studies have shown melatonin to protect against radiation-induced cellular damage. Melatonin and its metabolites protect organisms from oxidative stress by scavenging reactive oxygen species, which are generated during exposure. Nearly 70% of biological damage caused by ionizing radiation is estimated to be attributed to the creation of free radicals, especially the hydroxyl radical that attacks DNA, proteins, and cellular membranes. Melatonin has been described as a broadly protective, readily available, and orally self-administered antioxidant that is without major known side effects. A 2016 review found no beneficial role of melatonin in reducing seizure frequency or improving quality of life in people with epilepsy. A 2016 review suggested no strong evidence of melatonin compared to placebo for dysmenorrhea secondary to endometriosis. A 2016 review suggested no clear evidence of melatonin to reduce the incidence of delirium Melatonin might improve sleep in autistic people. Children with autism 
have abnormal melatonin pathways and below average physiological levels of melatonin. Melatonin supplements have been shown to improve sleep duration, sleep onset latency, and nighttime awakenings. However, many studies on melatonin and autism rely on self-reported levels of improvement and more rigorous research is needed. While the packaging of melatonin often warns against using people under 18 years of age, available studies suggest that melatonin is an efficacious and safe treatment for insomnia in people with ADHD. However, larger and longer studies are needed to establish long-term safety and optimal dosing. Melatonin, in comparison to placebo, is effective for reducing preoperative anxiety in adults when given as pre-medication. It may be just as effective as standard treatment with midazolam in reducing preoperative anxiety. Melatonin may also reduce postoperative anxiety measured six hours after surgery when compared to placebo. Some supplemental melatonin users report an increase in vivid dreaming. Extremely high doses of melatonin increased REM sleep time and dream activity in people both with and without narcolepsy. Melatonin appears to cause very few side effects as tested in the short term, up to three months, at low doses. Two systematic reviews found no adverse effects of exogenous melatonin in several clinical trials and comparative trials found the adverse effects, headaches, dizziness, nausea, and drowsiness were reported about equally for both melatonin and placebo. Prolonged release melatonin is safe with long-term use of up to 12 months. Melatonin can cause nausea, next day grogginess, and irritability. In the elderly, it can cause reduced blood flow and hypothermia. In autoimmune disorders, evidence is conflicting whether melatonin supplementation may ameliorate 
or exacerbate symptoms due to immunomodulation. Melatonin can lower follicle-stimulating hormone levels. Effects of melatonin on human reproduction remain unclear, although it was with some effect tried as a contraceptive in the 1990s. Anticoagulants and other substances are known to interact with melatonin. The next sections are about the functions of melatonin. In animals, the primary function is regulation of day-night cycles. Human infants' melatonin levels become regular in about the third month after birth, with the highest levels measured between midnight and 8 a.m. Human melatonin production decreases as a person ages. Also, as children become teenagers, the nightly schedule of melatonin release is delayed, leading to later sleeping and waking times. Besides its function as synchronizer of the biological clock, melatonin is a powerful free radical scavenger and wide-spectrum antioxidant. In many less complex life forms, this is its only known function. Melatonin is an antioxidant that can easily cross cell membranes and the blood-brain barrier. This antioxidant is a direct scavenger of radical oxygen and nitrogen species. Melatonin works with other antioxidants to improve the overall effectiveness of each antioxidant. Melatonin has been proven to be twice as active as vitamin E, believed to be the most effective lipophilic antioxidant. While it is known that melatonin interacts with the immune system, the details of those interactions are unclear. Anti-inflammatory effect seems to be the most relevant and most documented in the literature. There have been few trials designed to judge the effectiveness of melatonin in disease treatment. Most existing data are based on small, incomplete clinical trials. Any positive immunological effect is thought to be the result of melatonin acting on high affinity receptors, MD1 and MD2, expressed in immunocompetent cells. In preclinical studies, 
melatonin may enhance cytokine production, and by doing this, counteract acquired immunodeficiencies. Some studies also suggest that melatonin might be useful fighting infectious disease, including viral, such as HIV, and bacterial infections, and potentially in the treatment of cancer. The next sections are about the production and regulation of melatonin and the effect of blue light. In vertebrates, melatonin secretion is regulated by norepinephrine. On exposure to daylight, norepinephrine stimulation stops and the protein is immediately destroyed by proteosomal proteolysis. Production of melatonin is again started in the evening at the point called the dim light melatonin onset. Blue light, principally around 460 to 480 nanometers, suppresses melatonin proportional to the light intensity and the length of exposure. Until recent history, humans in temperate climates were exposed to few hours of blue daylight in the winter. Their fires gave predominantly yellow light. The incandescent light bulb, widely used in the 20th century, produced relatively little blue light. Light containing only wavelengths greater than 530 nanometers doesn't suppress melatonin in bright light conditions. Wearing glasses that block blue light in the hours before bedtime may decrease melatonin loss. Use of blue blocking goggles the last hours before bedtime has also been advised for people who need to adjust to an earlier bedtime as melatonin promotes sleepiness. When used several hours before sleep, according to the phase response curve for melatonin in humans, small amounts 0.3 milligrams of melatonin shift the circadian clock earlier, thus promoting earlier sleep onset and morning awakening. In humans, 90% of orally administered exogenous melatonin is cleared in a single passage through the liver. A small amount is excreted in urine, and a small amount is found in saliva. In vertebrates, melatonin is produced in darkness, thus usually at night, by the pineal gland, a small endocrine 
located in the center of the brain, but outside the blood-brain barrier. Known as the hormone of darkness, the onset of melatonin at dusk promotes activity in nocturnal, night-active animals and sleep in diurnal ones, including humans. Many animals use the variation in duration of melatonin production each day as a seasonal clock. In animals, including humans, the profile of melatonin synthesis and secretion is affected by the variable duration of night and summer as compared to winter. The change in duration of secretion thus serves as a biological signal for the organization of day-length-dependent, photoperiodic, seasonal functions such as reproduction, behavior, coat growth, and camouflage coloring in seasonal animals. In seasonal breeders that do not have long gestation periods and that mate during longer daylight hours, the melatonin signal controls the seasonal variation in their sexual physiology and similar physiological effects can be induced by exogenous melatonin in animals including minor birds and hamsters. Melatonin can suppress libido by inhibiting secretion of luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone from the interior pituitary gland, especially in mammals that have a breeding season when daylight hours are long. The last section is about getting melatonin in a supplement, food, or drug form. Melatonin is categorized by the U.S. FDA as a dietary supplement and is sold over-the-counter in both the U.S. and Canada. FDA regulations applying to medications are not applicable to melatonin. From June 2010 onward, production of dietary supplements must comply with current good manufacturing practices and be manufactured with, quote, controls that result in a consistent product free of contamination with accurate labeling. The industry has also been required to report to the FDA all serious dietary supplement-related adverse events, and the FDA has begun reinforcement of that requirement. As melatonin may cause harm 
in combination with certain medications, or in the case of certain disorders, a doctor or pharmacist should be consulted before making a decision to take melatonin. In many countries, melatonin is recognized as a neurohormone and it cannot be sold over the counter. Naturally occurring melatonin has been reported in foods including tart cherries, bananas, grapes, rice, cereals, herbs, plums, olive oil, wine, and beer. When birds ingest melatonin-rich plant feed, such as rice, the melatonin binds to melatonin receptors in their brains. When humans consume foods rich in melatonin, such as banana, pineapple, and orange, the blood levels of melatonin increase significantly. As reported in the New York Times in May 2011, beverages and snacks containing melatonin were being sold in grocery stores, convenience stores, and clubs. The FDA considered whether these food products could continue to be sold with the label Dietary Supplements. On January 13, 2010, it issued a warning letter to Innovative Beverage, creators of several beverages marketed as drinks, stating that melatonin is not approved as a food additive because it is not generally recognized as safe. Immediate release melatonin is not tightly regulated in countries where it is available as an over-the-counter medication. It is available in doses from less than half a milligram to five milligrams or more. Immediate release formulations cause blood levels of melatonin to reach their peak in about an hour. The hormone may be administered orally as capsules, tablets, or liquids. It is also available for use sublingually or as transdermal patches. Formerly, melatonin was derived from animal pineal tissue, such as bovine. It is now synthetic and doesn't carry a risk of contamination or the means of transmitting infectious material. Melatonin is available as a prolonged release prescription drug. It releases melatonin gradually over 8 to 10 hours, intended to mimic 
the body's internal secretion profile. The following are select sections and details from the Wikipedia article titled Dream. I'll begin with a summary. A dream is a succession of images, ideas, emotions, and sensations that usually occur involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. The content and purpose of dreams are not fully understood, although they have been the topic of scientific, philosophical, and religious interest throughout recorded history. Dream interpretation is the attempt at drawing meaning from dreams and searching for an underlying message. Dreams mainly occur in the rapid eye movement, REM, stage of sleep, when brain activity is high and resembles that of being awake. REM sleep, or REM sleep, is revealed by continuous movements of the eyes during sleep. At times, dreams may occur during other stages of sleep. However, these dreams tend to be much less vivid or memorable. The length of a dream can vary. They can last for a few seconds or 20 to 30 minutes. People are more likely to remember the dream if they are awakened during the REM phase. The average person has three to five dreams per night, and some may have up to seven. However, most dreams are immediately or quickly forgotten. Dreams tend to last longer as the night progresses. During a full eight-hour night's sleep, opinions about the meaning of dreams have varied and shifted through time and culture. Many endorse the Freudian theory of dreams, that dreams reveal insight into hidden desires and emotions. Other prominent theories include those suggesting that dreams assist in memory formation, problem solving, or simply are a product of random brain activation. Sigmund Freud, who developed the psychological discipline of psychoanalysis, wrote extensively about dream theories and their interpretations in the early 1900s. He explained dreams as manifestations of one's deepest desires and anxieties, often relating to repressed childhood memories or obsessions. In modern times, dreams have been seen as a connection to the unconscious mind. They range from normal and ordinary to overly surreal 
and bizarre. Dreams can have varying natures, such as being frightening, exciting, magical, melancholic, adventurous, or sexual. The events in dreams are generally outside the control of the dreamer, with the exception of lucid dreaming, where the dreamer is self-aware. Dreams can at times make a creative thought occur to the person, or give a sense of inspiration. The next section is about the neurobiology of dreams. Distinct types of dreams have been identified for REM and non-REM sleep stages. The vivid, bizarre dreams that are commonly remembered on waking up are primarily associated with REM sleep. Non-REM is commonly associated with more static and thoughtful dreams. These dreams are primarily driven by the hippocampus in the process of long-term memory consolidation and predominantly include memories of events as they happened without the random novel combination of objects seen in REM sleep dreams. The rest of the article focuses on REM sleep dreaming, thereafter simply referred to as dreaming. Since waking up usually happens during the REM stage, the vivid, bizarre REM sleep dreams are the most common type of dreams that are remembered. During REM sleep, brain activity is most like wakefulness. During a typical lifespan, a person spends a total of about six years dreaming, which is about two hours each night. Most dreams last between five minutes to 20 minutes. It is unknown where in the brain dreams originate, if there's a single origin for dreams, or if multiple portions of the brain are involved, or what the purpose of dreaming is for the body or mind. During REM sleep, the release of the neurotransmitters norepinephrine, serotonin, and histamine is completely suppressed. However, you will hear shortly that dopamine is not suppressed and may be highly involved. During most dreams, the person dreaming is not aware that they are dreaming, no matter how absurd or eccentric the dream is. The reason for this may be that the prefrontal cortex, the region of the brain responsible for logic and planning, exhibits decreased activity during dreams. This allows the dreamer to be more interactive with the dream 
without thinking about what might happen, since things that would normally stand out in reality blend in with the dream scenery. When REM sleep episodes were timed for their duration, and subjects were awakened to make reports before major editing or forgetting of the dreams could take place, subjects accurately reported the length of time they'd been dreaming in a REM sleep state. Some researchers have speculated that time dilation effects only seem to be taking place upon reflection and don't truly occur within dreams. This close correlation of REM sleep and dream experience was the basis of the first series of reports describing the nature of dreaming, that it is a regular nightly event rather than an occasional phenomenon. Also, that it is correlated with high-frequency activity within each sleep period, occurring at predictable intervals of approximately every 60 to 90 minutes in all humans throughout the lifespan. REM sleep episodes and the dreams that accompany them lengthen progressively through the night, with the first episode being the shortest, about 10 to 12 minutes duration, and the second and third episodes increasing to 15 to 20 minutes. Dreams at the end of the night may last as long as 15 minutes, although these may be experienced as several distinct episodes due to momentary arousals interrupting sleep as the night ends. Dreams can be reported from normal subjects 50% of the time when they are awakened prior to the end of the first REM period. However, this rate of retrieval is increased to about 99% when awakenings are made from the last REM period of the night. The increase in the ability to recall dreams appears related to intensification across the night in the vividness of dream imagery, colors, and emotions. One of the central questions of sleep research is what part of the brain is driving dreams video auditory experience. So far, it doesn't seem to be the prefrontal cortex or the hippocampus. It is also unclear how exactly images appear in one's perception during REM sleep. Some scientists describe it as the neocortex is making the best of a bad job in producing even partially coherent dream imagery from the relatively noisy signals sent up from the brainstem. In 1976, 
two scientists proposed a theory that the signals interpreted as dreams originate from signals in the brainstem during REM sleep and affect other regions of the brain. The brain synthesizes and interprets these activities and attempts to create meaning from these signals, resulting in dreams. And this other research did not encounter cases of loss of dreaming with patients having brainstem damage. It is also commonly accepted that the intensity of dreams during REM sleep can be dialed up or down by the dopamine-producing cells. For example, drugs that block dopamine, like haloperidol, inhibit frequent vivid dreaming, while the increase of dopamine due to drugs like L-dopa stimulate excessive vivid dreaming. REM sleep and the ability to dream seem to be embedded in the biology of many animals in addition to humans. Scientific research suggests that all mammals experience REM sleep. The range of REM can be seen across species. Dolphins experience minimal REM, while Humans are in the middle of the scale, and at the other end of the scale, the armadillo and the opossum are among the most prolific dreamers based on their REM patterns. All mammals studied have shown signs of dreaming, including monkeys, dogs, have been signs of dreaming in birds and reptiles. The next section is about the function of dreams. From a Darwinian perspective, dreams would have to fulfill some kind of biological requirement, provide some benefit for natural selection to take place, or at least have no negative impact on fitness. Many hypotheses have been proposed as to what function dreams perform, some of which have been contradicted by later empirical studies. It has also been proposed that dreams serve no particular purpose and that they are simply a byproduct of biochemical processes that only occur in the brain during sleep. The continual activation theory proposes that the function of sleep is to process, encode, and transfer the data from the temporary memory store to the long-term memory store. Another theory suggests that dreams are a need and that they have the function to erase sensory impressions that were not fully worked up and erase ideas 
that were not fully developed during the day. Because of dreaming, incomplete material is either removed, suppressed, or deepened and included into memory. In essence, some have viewed that sleep serves to sweep away unnecessary memories and connections from the day. This is similar to the reverse learning theory, which states that dreams are like the cleaning up operations of computers when they are offline, removing or suppressing junk from the mind during sleep. Another theory describes dreams as playing a central role in a two-phase sleep process that improves the mind's ability to meet human needs during wakefulness. In this theory, dreams create and test possible scenarios. Those that appear adaptive are retained, while those that appear maladaptive are not retained. Alfred Adler suggested that dreams are often emotional preparations for solving problems, intoxicating an individual away from common sense toward private logic. The residual dream feelings may either reinforce or inhibit contemplated action. Numerous theories state that dreaming is a random byproduct of REM sleep physiology and that it doesn't serve any natural purpose. Flanagan claims that dreams are evolutionary epiphenomena and they have no adaptive function. Quote, Dreaming came along as a free ride on a system designed to think and to sleep. End quote. Hobson also considers dreams epiphenomena, but for different reasons. He believes that the substance of dreams have no significant influence on waking actions, and most people go about their daily lives perfectly well without remembering their dreams. The activation synthesis theory hypothesizes that the peculiar nature of dreams is attributed to certain parts of the brain trying to piece together a story out of what is essentially bizarre information. Some evolutionary psychologists believe dreams serve some adaptive function for survival. Deidre Barrett describes dreaming as simply thinking in different biochemical states and believes people continue to work on all the same problems, personal and objective, in that state. Her research finds that anything, math, musical composition, business dilemmas, make it solved during dreaming. A Finnish psychologist posits that dreams have evolved for threat simulation exclusively. According to the threat simulation theory he proposes, during much of human evolution, 
physical and interpersonal threats are serious, giving reproductive advantage to those who survive them. Therefore, dreaming evolved to replicate these threats and continually practice dealing with them. In support of this theory, contemporary dreams comprise much more threatening events than people meet in daily non-dream life, and the dreamer usually engages appropriately with them. The defense of immobilization theory proposes that REM sleep is an evolutionary transformation of a well-known defensive mechanism, the tonic immobility reflex. This reflex, also known as animal hypnosis or death feigning, functions as the last line of defense against an attacking predator and consists of the total immobilization of the animal. In other words, the animal appears dead, like when playing possum. The neurophysiology and phenomenology of this reaction shows striking similarities to REM sleep, a fact that suggests a deep evolutionary kinship. For example, both reactions exhibit brainstem control paralysis, hippocampal theta, and thermoregulatory changes. In this last section will be five additional brief theories about the function of dreams. Two scientists have suggested that dreams may function in part recombine unconscious elements within consciousness on a temporary basis, and this may contribute to maintaining an optimal information processing flexibility in brain information networks. Another hypothesis is that dreams allow the repressed parts of the mind to be satisfied through fantasy while keeping the conscious mind from thoughts that would suddenly cause one to awaken from shock. Another scientist says dreams may function like psychotherapy by making connections in a safe place and allowing the dreamer to integrate thoughts that may be dissociated during waking life. Another scientist has proposed that the dream when told to someone else, may communicate something that is not being said outright. And lastly, it has been proposed that dreams may simply be a way to help to regulate mood. This concludes tonight's Whisperpedia episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed, or even better, <laughs>